Did I interest you in a stamp? Yeah, give me a stamp. Oh. No, give me a purple one. Oh, I'm sorry we haven't any purple ones. I could uh, paint one for you. I don't want a painted one. person hasn't got any rights in this country anymore. The government even tells you what color stamps you gotta buy. Just okay. Really? Yeah. For you mean that for that particular plate? For 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 a plate for nice margins is nice margins are, are margins that that like if this stamp was totally sound, this stamp wouldn't grade any any more than maybe an eighty, and probably not even that because it touches the it touches the bloom down here just barely. Once it touches the highest grade that we'll give it is a ninety. Hmm. I mean an eighty. Excuse me. Now, there are old PSE certificates from the early part of the century that were done by other people that gave very high grades. Yeah, I but, noticed. But, but they, <laughs> well, I, a good example was last year, last year there was a number, was a, a 7R1E, a Scott number 5, that was one of the two that were graded 90, but it touched the lower right plume. So Scott said he'd keep the grade, but I couldn't get my client to, I, I told him I wouldn't stretch for the stamp. Well, shall we get started? Are we ready? I'm ready. Okay. All right. My computer is finally all booted up. Live from the Paris Interpol office, this is the award-winning stamp show here today. If you can dream it, we can collect it. This is episode number 333, brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. This is Cash. This is Mark. This is Albert. This is Jim. This is uh, Pack Attack Dave. <laughs> Pack Attack Panic Dave. Panic Attack Dave. Uh, I thought you were sugar crashing, Dave. <laughs> we well, all... that brings on the panic attacks after I get in the panic attack mode. Well, we just all came back from lunch at the South Point. If you're in Las Vegas, uh, 11.30 every Tuesday, all the stamp collectors get together. How many did we have today? Like 11? We had 10 people. 10 people. 10 people. Yeah. 10 people. We meet at the Garden Buffet at the South Point. Yep. And, and by the time we walked out of there, there were 13 people. <laughs> if you look at the weight. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason I, I'm very thankful that Dave is here, uh, he's going to... There was a story, and I forget how long ago it was, but it was uh, more than two years ago. This was pre-COVID probably by a year. And uh, we gave you the story, but this is the actual person who did it. And so this is not to embarrass, this is to teach everybody who's listening what can happen and how it happens and the mechanics of it. So pay attention, I guess. Dave, I'm going to hand this over to you, but just to start, there was a lot listed on eBay. 
Yeah, actually, I've had uh, a few stories, so it kind of shows that, uh, you know, if you want to believe stuff, and, and I don't know, I have a, I have a de degree in psychology, a, a BS in psych, but people can see and end up seeing more than is actually there a lot of times, or wanting to see, or like me, I like to collect rarities and hope that I can find stuff, you know, for a reasonable price. Well, um, I don't know, probably several years ago I, I found this lot out of Paris, France and it had all kinds of beautiful US stamps very old ones in very nice shape ones that you don't normally find on eBay and it actually had some baseball cards and other stuff just wonderful stuff and the guy started off at a, a, at a low price which I think when you're buying lots everyone jumps on you know collections that start off at a five cents or ten cents because everyone thinks that well maybe no one else will see it and they can get it for nothing well I put in a bid you know I, I looked at it, I, I did what I thought was my due diligence in uh, asking a guy about the stuff and where he found it and stuff like this and he says well he, he, you know there's big bourses in in Paris and every now and then you find something really great and uh, I thought well you can't dispute that. I, I had a friend who used to, who sold airline insurance, and he kind of swore by what he could find in Paris when he would go some street there that would have any number of dealers and, and U.S. stuff, you know, to a, a French person is kind of like French stamps to a U.S. person. You know, they don't, they don't almost know that much about the stuff. So, so yeah, there'd be a possibility you might find something real rare there. So I went with that. And anyway, I put in my bid at the end of the auction. I liked a bid at the end you know, hoping that no one else is going to see it. And uh, lo and behold, I, I got the lot. And and anyway, the guy said, uh, well, you know, I take trades too. And I thought, oh, okay, maybe we can work out a trade. So anyway, uh, long story short, um, in the trade I had stupid, 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 stupid. Anyway, I had gold coins. I had several, several... I don't know, $5, $10 gold coins, and uh, and uh, we made a deal anyway. And I think I I think I got the lot for like $3,000, and I think I gave the guy like $3,500 in gold coins, okay? I went to the post office the next day to send my gold coins out and actually to find out what it would cost to send these things. And the, and the guy at the front counter says, well, uh, coins... You're going to have to insure it. You're going to insurance. And I thought, good. Whew, that will take any possibility of me getting screwed in the transaction. And not, not, not. <laughs> anyway, I sent the coins. It took a while to get there. And when the item arrived at his place, he, he, he said the box was opened and there's nothing in it. And he shows his hand <laughs> over an open box like that means something. You know, and he says, well, and I thought, oh, my gosh. I, I had a bad feeling about this guy because after I originally purchased this lot, then he, then he started coming out on eBay with more uh, really nice stuff. And I thought, okay, this is too good to be true. That's when I got the feeling maybe this guy was, uh, you know, he was using me. So anyway, I, I went to the post office the next day, and the same guy wasn't there. I talked to the supervisor. He says, the supervisor of the post office, he says, well, you can't send gold coins to Europe. And I said, well, your guy charged me, 
you know, I filled out the customs form. He charged me for insurance and all that. And he's, the guy essentially says, well, if you look in the manual and everybody, you know, you're supposed to know what you're sending and what the rules are, you can't, there's no insurance in that. I said, well, I paid for it. The guy took the money and uh, said, sorry. Anyway, I, I tried. This is kind of not, not the philatelic part of it, but it just goes to show you, I've collected stamps since, since, since I was five. And invariably, if you want to, if a stamp is supposed to have a very special color to, to be really good or have a line in it, your eyes a lot of times will see more than is actually there. And, and the same with when, when you look for gold, someone might give you some fool's gold and you might be fooled by it. So the, you know, the, long, the long story and the short word is, is uh, you know, buyer beware and, and, uh, and also, uh, you know, if it's too good to be true, it's it's 99% of the time it's it's too good to be true. So, and you couldn't go back with eBay because you had gone outside of eBay to do. <laughs> yes, <it. laughs> yeah, because you know I, I did did the deal, but then then uh, the funny thing this the same dealer, the same guy, uh, he over the next several years kept on resurfacing every couple months under a different name, but you could tell by by the stuff. That he was selling, that it was the same guy, and and actually he went the first time I saw him it was the French name was legit legit or something, which essentially means a uh, uh, French police or something like that. So, but eBay also doesn't uh, you know they expect a certain percentage of of shysters and and so they don't really go after them. So it's really it really is truly buyer beware. Well, yeah. <clears throat> Under normal circumstances, though, if you had paid via PayPal instead of sending gold coins. Because uh, this guy, again, he was selling this stuff. And there was uh, a time when Henry Gittner dealt with the same fellow. And he said he bought the lot for, I think he said, about $15,000. It might have been a little higher than $15,000. And he literally told the person, I will meet you at the airport. I did, too, originally. Oh, you did also? <laughs> I wanted to go over and meet him. Maybe Gittner got to him first. I <laughs> know. And, and, then, uh, and then the guy decided, well, it's not a good idea to Well, actually, uh, Gittner said, uh, I'll bring it all on over. We can do the transaction right there at the airport, everything copacetic. And uh, the guy never responded back because he didn't have didn't to have stop. Anything, yeah. And uh, at that point, you know, we, we had uh, addressed it because, you know, from a shyster standpoint, he was selling uh, stamps, currency, and coins. Mm -hmm. and, and baseball cards. It, well, the time that I saw, I didn't have baseball cards, but he had stamps, currency, and coins. And he put up about $3 million worth of uh, stamps, about $3 million worth of coins, and about $3 million worth of currency. And we were making fun because the uh, coins sold for $50,000, the currency sold for $40,000, and the stamps only sold for like $20,000. And we said, what, these stamp collectors are so cheap, they're not even willing to pay $50,000 for fake, a fake listing. <laughs> but hopefully, I I'm, don't know what happened with the coins, but I'm guessing that, uh, you know, he if you go through eBay... You know, and you pay them fifty thousand uh, dollars. 
then it's not and you say hey i never got it you know i don't know how ebay refunds well i kind of do but uh you know it would have been refunded somehow because there was one time when a uh auction company bought a lot on ebay and the lot showed up and it was totally misidentified i mean you know it said it had a 5a in it and it had a proof of a, instead and uh some other stuff that was just terribly misidentified and the person paid twenty five thousand dollars for it now this lot still with all the stuff was still worth about twelve thousand bucks and he sent it to us for certification and we sent him back a bunch of bad certs and some good ones. Well, eBay contacted us mm. to find out how much the lot was worth because it appears that eBay came out of pocket and insured and paid back the amount because probably the seller, you know, they couldn't get 25 grand out of the seller because, he, you know, he took the man, money and ran. So, uh just different things there. So yours, your uh, lesson costs you thirty five hundred bucks. Please, people, learn so you don't have to spend uh, th- thirty five hundred bucks. Uh, what other? Uh, who else here has a story about? I mean, we all have stories about it, but uh, who wants to share a story? Nobody. It's not a. It's well, not I, a, it's I can't. Not, I can't. I can't. I can't share another story because then, then I'd be proving that I'm a real idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's hard to talk about when you've been taken by somebody. Yeah. Well, everybody's been taken at one time or another. Well, the harsh thing is, is um, the perfect crime is a crime that you never know occurred, and that's like the one that I keep bringing up. It's just. My worst story about, you know, people ask, why should stamps be certified? And this one I've told a jillion times, and I'm going to tell it another time because it's the topic today. A fellow died. His son got the stamp collection, put it into auction. The auction company said, you've got really high value stuff here. It needs to be certified. We can't take it as it is. They send in the stuff. The person's pride and joy was a U.S. five cent number uh, 67. That's the The five five cent cent. buff. It it wasn't the buff. It was the other one. Oh, the olive green. The olive green. So 67B. 67B. And it was the prize of his collection. It was was mint. And uh, he had paid 5,000 bucks for it. And so it, by when he died, it had gone up in value to $10,000. It came to us. It was shaved off, cancel removed, rebacked, and regummed. I mean, it basically a totally fake stamp. And the person, you know, he was dead, so he never, you know, felt sorry for himself or felt, you know, ripped off or anything. But, you know, he lived with this stamp forever. And he never knew that he got ripped off. And so uh, the son, you know, goes, oh, well, was, he, he, whatever, you know, the crook made the money. So it was, it was the genuine color. It's just a, a, a completely 
rehabilitated stamp. Yeah. Yeah, they had trimmed it around the design, you know, cut the design out, cleaned off the cancel, and then mounted it on another piece of paper from probably like a three-cent stamp, and then gummed it, and it was a mint stamp. So the guy who had it was happy his whole life and probably went to heaven with good dreams. Oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Not knowing, again, that he had been robbed. Right. Well, now the new owner has a stamp, which is a genuine 67B, but he knows what it is. And yeah. so it might it might still be an attractive stamp to have in your collection if you can't afford the well, real thing. Well, how much do you think that stamp is worth? You know, it, it might be 10, 15% of catalog value if it's mm. if it's still 10% would be 1000 bucks. Yeah. 15% would be $1500. Yeah. yeah. No way. Well, yeah, I guess if it's if it's well, 10% of the used price. Oh, not of not of the mint price because if you know it's used, you have to sell it as used. Yeah, the use price is like forty two hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, for very fine condition. So mm -hmm. you're still talking about four hundred bucks for a fake stamp, right? It depends on the medium where it's being sold. Yeah, there's I mean, a huge, there's a huge difference between going to a a show and buying something like that and buying it on eBay. I spend a lot of time on eBay. I mean, I get up at three thirty in the morning, and I I do it until about seven o'clock looking looking all over the stuff and 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 if you had something that was correctly described as a 67b like that but mashed and you know hammered and <laughs> chopped up and and rebacked you, you might get a hundred bucks for it yeah if you're lucky probably 75 if you get someone a little well foolish. on facebook my favorite was a person put up a one cent franklin on cover and he put up the price for forty five thousand dollars and uh, well, actually, he said forty-five thousand. And all the comments were, you know, that's not the rare one; that's cheap. Thing. But uh, there was a whole string of um, forty-five thousand what? And I said, uh, they're pr it's probably priced in Vietnamese dong, <laughs> Hong so, Kong dollars. So, yeah. so it's a dong stamp, right? <laughs> Because uh, bars. yeah, fifty thousand dong is like a buck and a half. <laughs> Still overpriced, but <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, 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 I don't know if I told the story. I bought a bundle of one hundred twenty-five thousand Bolivar notes, uh, Bolivar banknotes, and in the year. 1999, a boulevard was about 50 cents. Two boulevards to the dollar. So, 25,000 boulevards was $12,500, and I had a pad of 100 of them. Guess how much 25,000 boulevards is today? Well, how much is it? How many are? How much is a dozen eggs in? Argentina. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 25,000 boulevards, which used to be $12,500, is today about a tenth of a penny. Yeah. Wow. That's how much uh, how much uh, inflation has gone on there. So it's just like Germany in the, in the 1920s. Yeah. Yeah. It, actually, uh, it's worse than Germany. It's more like uh, Austria or Hungary in the 1920s. So, uh, 
And by the way, we're not going that way here in the United States. If people are talking about hyperinflation like that, that's an, no, that couldn't happen. happen. No, it's not going to happen here. Yeah, it couldn't. Yeah, but uh, we will see over the uh, short term of what happens because I fully believe that we're going to have like 1970s style inflation. Hmm. This would be a good time to invest in forever stamps if you're going to have that kind of a deal. <laughs> <laughs> There's already contingency plans for that, though. Well, we already discussed a bit of the uh, one-cent stamp. Uh, let's go over real quick what we were exactly talking about before. It's a one-cent Franklin stamp. It's a U.S. number 7. It's from plate number four, and it's from a position that should create a 8A stamp, right? An 8A, not an 8, right? Right, a type 3A stamp with a break at the top. Um, by definition, it's supposed to have a one and a half millimeter break at the top for it to be a quote-unquote break. This is from one of those positions, but the top line is mostly complete, like 95% complete. I told Dave that it was, um, you know, he bought it a couple months too early because a couple months later that line would have worn away and you would have had a type 8A. But Albert, it comes from an 8A position. Yeah, because the, by definition the only type 2s from plate 4 are from the top row of the plate. Mm-hmm. They're, they're because they have a complete. They also have a complete design at top, which makes it unusual. And the other thing that's particular on the top row is that on many stamps, um, the bottom line is actually somewhat. There are copies, their positions that the bottom line is actually broken. Yeah. So, <clears throat> the top row, however, and from the interior of the plate, there are some positions which do generate Scott number sevens. Now. On the downside, um, uh, number seven catalogs 125 bucks, but a number seven from plate number four catalogs $1,000. So it's still a premium item, even though it got the worst Scott's number. But the question is, you know, when you plate it, because we've discussed this before, you know, what happens if the plate characteristics get cut off? You know, if this stamp, which is the correct plate wonder if you couldn't see the top well i'll tell you what coming from and, and all the guys around me because i'm i'm a neophyte and then i'm not a what they call a fly speck uh, i wouldn't consider you a neophyte <laughs> well I, I, i'm a long okay let's put it this way I, I go time. for stupid deals on ebay <laughs> often <laughs> and then and then uh you know i've always been a volume versus uh you know, quality type of guy. No, that's basically. me too. So anyway, go, uh, the guys around me are all very learned and very knowledgeable about plates. And if I was to say anything about this, I'm I'm the type of person who probably does more than most. I, I go to like Swedish Tiger. Uh, if you look at the Scott catalog, it shows you, you know, basically, you know, one type of Scott 8, 8A, 7, 6, 6B, 5, and all that stuff, and so if if, if you're a normal collector, like I think probably both, probably 95% of the people out there are, and you try to figure out what you might buy off eBay or, or something else from a dealer, 
then you're going to be very sad when you find out and actually have your stamp plated that it might not be, even though it looks almost exactly the same, which I thought this is my stamp we're talking about. I was convinced it was a 6B because well, it's got, you know, everything that jumps out at you that the Scott catalog would say is is uh, here, well, and yet it's not. Yeah, when we were talking on the phone, you said, I have a number seven, but the ornamentation on the bottom is... No, it's been inflated as number yeah. seven. Yeah. Okay. Or, yeah. It, it, it's all complete. And yeah. I go, hold on. Yeah. You got to bring that stamp in here because right. right. number sevens from plate one and plate two, yeah. generally speaking, do not have complete yeah. ornamentation at the yeah. bottom, not even close on some of them. So you got to bring it in and you brought it in. And sure enough, it, you know, it turned out to be a plate number four. And that's, uh, that's that. So uh, I'm a little bit confused about this because um, when you have a number 10, um, Scott identifies it by color, but, <laughs> yeah, yes. but you can't do that because you identify it by plate. And so here's one that we've plated, but we're identifying it based on a characteristic that is a millimeter short <laughs> or a half a millimeter short of what it should be. So I'm just a little confused about how that works. How about we go to... That's good, too. Once again, I'm going to interject because that's a real good question because, to once again, to someone who's not into the, the finest little details in a stamp, you're going to look and say, well, this is so... Even if you're showing a plate and no two, no two stamps printed from those plates are the same, and then the plates wear, and sometimes, uh, like this particular plate right here, it's not what they call a real crisp deal, so you might not be getting all the... Uh, stuff that's actually there, you might not see it because it just wasn't printed very well. Well, what hurts your stamp, what hurts your stamp as far as type is that it's been slightly rubbed at the top. That's one thing. That's right. that's what makes it difficult for people to make a decision. There there is abrasion on the top because there's a lot general loss of impression at the top. So. Um, so you're so even, even, But even Mr. Even even the gentleman who wrote the the uh, plating the one sentence stamp book. The revision, uh, Mortimer and I can put in the book. He did put three A, but he then put a question mark on that. Yeah, which means that which means that he might have seen copies that looked just like this. So it would be it would be it might be noted that it that that um, it's really it's not. He doesn't think the brakes are big enough to be called a three A. But I will say on that particular row, that particular relief, those are all considered type three A reliefs. But but this particular stamp, the brakes are not big enough, at least by definition, of what we call an 8A to be called an 8A. And you brought up number 10s and stuff like that. It is my opinion, and has been for quite a while, that the Scots catalog has been a terrible, has done a disservice to stamp collectors in the way that they list the one cent and the three cent stamp. Um, they, stamp collecting should be easy, not difficult. And that's the motto of the show. You know, we, we want to make stamp collecting easier, not more difficult. So we don't go 
into the fly specky stuff. I mean, if you have to have special knowledge to identify a stamp, then that stamp should not be listed as such, in my opinion. Now, uh, as for number 10s, yes, number 10s come from special plates, and those plates tend to have a special color. However, that color appears on number 11s, and when you get an 11, which is an orange-brown cover color, it skyrockets in value. So, you know, and if you have a number 10 that has crappy color, you know, and it's marked as a number 11, you know, who's that helping? Right. And you got faded ones and... Oh, and then you have, uh, you know, number five. Number five comes from one position on one plate. I solved the number 10 problem. I collect covers dated in July. (laughs) July 1851. Then you know you have a 10. That's true. (laughs) You can push it to like August and September and October too. Yeah. Well, we had another controversy from uh, a person who will remain anonymous. Shout out to you, Harry. (laughs) <laughs> um, he submitted a Scott's number 1338, which is the eight cent flag over capital stamp. Everybody has seen this stamp. It's just a U.S. flag over, I'm sorry, it's not over the Capitol. It's over the White House. And uh, it's a coil pair. And there is a bit of a line between the two stamps. And we here at PSE sent him back a certificate and didn't say it was a line pair. And Mark, why didn't we say it was a line pair? Well, this was printed on the Huck Press. Um, the normal coil stamps that have the line pair, there was a, uh, they were made up of plates that had a, a break in between them, and the uh, and the ink would get in between where the where the two plates uh, met, and so there would be a specific line where that joint occurred but on the huck press that's not the case there's no there's not supposed to be a line but sometimes there is so yeah you have joint line you have you have you have line pairs and you have joint line pairs so a line pair is when a sheet had a line and the line was printed now the guideline the guideline and then you have the joint line pairs which when they curve the plate they put the two ends together they it didn't match up perfectly ever so you got a little bit of ink in there and it made a line between the two stamps the huck press doesn't fit either of those descriptions it's not because it was drawn on the plate it's not a part of the image and it's not because there were two plates that got put together and ink collected in it um what did cause it because it does sort of look like a line pair. Yeah, there's there's uh, definite ink in be, in between the two stamps. Um, it's usually on the bottom, uh, toward the bottom, and uh, and it doesn't always have to be the same color ink. Sometimes, uh, um, the, sometimes the ink will be on the red side. Sometimes it'll be on the blue side. Uh, sometimes you'll have a line that has partial red and blue. So, getting this stamp with a line pair. Is it possible? Uh, I, I think it's more collectible. <laughs> um, you, you know, you can't really count, you call it a line pair, um, 
but uh, but it's it's more interesting than just a regular pair. Yeah, so in my opinion, this is a philosophical question. It's a pair, and there's a line. So therefore, it's a line pair. However, from a philosophical question on the other side, it's not created as part of the image or part of the sheet layout, and it's not because of any production uh, between the two plates. It's not consistent. At, and that's another thing. Yeah, line, pair, line pairs come consistently on the roll at a certain spot where the plates met, right? Yes. And so this this is also semantics because you could call it line of color pair. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Or an over inking error. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's like my old one that uh, I got blasted for, and I thought ah, I thought it was actually a pretty good question. Uh, Great Britain number one, the penny black. Okay? It's an imperforated stamp. What perf gauge is it? <laughs> is it perf one or perf zero? Because under, and it's interesting, it depends on whether you're in England or in the United States. United States counts the number of paper attachments between the stamp, which means if you had a pair of Great Britain number ones, there would be one paper attachment between them. So it would be perf one. However, in England, they count the number of holes, not the number of paper attachments. So it, between, if you have a pair of Great Britain number ones, there are zero holes between the two of them. So it would be perf zero. I think that this Huck press is sort of the same thing. It's, is it a line pair? You know, it's a philosophical more than an actual question. Going back to 1968, when that stamp case came out, they, they, there were coil pair, coil, entire coil rolls that had these, these partial color lines that were described as big errors at that time. Oh, yeah, I remember those. <laughs> a, 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 dealer, a dealer in Sherman Oaks... Um, um, said the cripple a, that a guy who was a cripple had found it and had, he made a big deal about it but they, they weren't very valuable yeah yeah it is interesting though anything else going on with anybody well you wanted you wanted to talk about frauds i mean the reason one of the things that PSC exists be, because it's it tries to prevent people from having fr falling into fraud problems I mean, the, the, um, um, I learned, like everybody else, the hard way. I, I, bought, I bought a bunch, when I was uh, 17 years old, I bought a bunch of stamps over printed Guam at a, at a famous New York auction and didn't, didn't uh, get them certified until three years later. And then I found out that one of the stamps, I found out every single stamp that was described as never hinged was regummed. And I found out the six cent stamp that I purchased, the overprint was actually fake. No. So that's the kind of thing that that's the kind of thing that uh, gets you very conscious about using the certification services. And then uh, I think the first stamp I ever submitted to the Philatelic Foundation was a Hawaii number 25. That's the 1865 one cent on white wolf paper, and it came back genuine. And the reason I I submitted it was simply it was it was barely a four margin copy, and I didn't have the Westerberg book at the time, so uh, it came back fine. But I can tell you that all the all the regular mistakes that people make on uh, 
buying really for buying Washington Franklin hits, uh, fake 519s made from 344s and other things, and fake 461s. I I did them all, but by that time I knew enough to at least when I purchased the stamp, I told them I'm I'm buying it subject to a certificate. Yep. So that's why that's why. Um, so the number one reason why you get your stamps certified is, is it, it does prevent that kind of fraud. And you get some ID, and also if somebody's selling you something that's never hinged and, or a used stamp that's not repaired, it, it, it at least lets a, a, um, a non-biased third party look at the stamp and actually give a real opinion. Well, Here, here's a plug for PayPal. PayPal because I actually sold one of my stamps um, about uh, maybe eight months ago, and it was a beautiful, beautiful stamp, and I actually sold it as an ex extra fine, superb gem stamp, and the people sent it away to PSE, and it came back as having uh, a couple corner creases. So the guy, after I think six months or something, I, I actually sent it back to me. He asked first, and I refunded his money, but it was like because PayPal is in place there, he got his money back. But. Yeah, that is uh, PayPal is. You can do it for all, I, I believe up to a year, but yeah. it's always good to have uh, when you're going to use uh, PSE or any of these firms to cert. Uh, make sure you got a, a backup plan after you purchase and wait for your cert that you can still, in fact, get your money back. That someone's going to be behind the, uh, you know, stamp. The only problem is when you get a stamp back that comes back with a no opinion. <laughs> then you have to eat it. Yeah. yeah, that's a tough one. They do, It does happen. I have a counterfeit story. Go for it. Yeah, I had received an order from a customer, and it was franked with a uh, with a forever flag stamp, and it caught my eye immediately because the the stamp looked really dark, and it was a counterfeit. It was a counterfeit of uh, of Scott number fifty one fifty eight. Um, which is the uh, which is the flag um, that is uh, microprinted uh, in the uh, in, in one of the uh, in one of the places? But you know, the, the first uh, thing you check, of course, is is the stamp tagged? It wasn't tagged, which is typical of the counterfeits. But this particular stamp had microprintings on both of the of the places where 5158 has microprinting, um, which is really unusual. Um, it turns out in the in the 2022 Sky Catalog specialized. U.S. There's about I don't know I think 16 different uh, varieties of the of the 5158 um, fake. fake, but this didn't match any of them. So uh, I call my stamp the Omicron variant. Oh. <laughs> and it had uh, both microprints, which means that they photocopied both the Senate and the Avery printing, probably. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah put both companies, which I, I yeah. They put both. Uh, pictures on top of each other, obviously probably right. not understanding what they were doing. Well, they were covering their bases. Yeah, just in case. Well, the interesting thing is that several months ago, I almost bought like $1,000 worth of uh, flag stamps <laughs> from either Ukraine or Russia, once again with PayPal or eBay guarantee. And right before I was ready, I actually won the lot. It was These were, these were like 1,000 stamp rolls or whatever they were selling them in. And when it got time to pay, they'd already been erased from eBay. <laughs> yeah. So, so. 
Yeah. Well, that's a good thing. That's, <laughs> that's actually promising. Yeah. I'm glad that they're... At <laughs> good l- to hear. Yeah, they're getting on top of it because, you know, we told this story before. A person had bought $10,000 of sheets and he brought them into PSE and said, hey, you know, I just bought these. I paid half face for them. So, you know, I paid $5,000 for $10,000 worth of stamps. Are these real? And it was literally a box. And we pulled out one and we go, oh. And we looked on the back. And on the back, it's got a little graph of what position the paint is from. And so there's eight positions. And remarkably, the entire box came from exactly Exactly the the same same position. position. (laughs) And it's like... Well, I don't even think we have to look any further. However, (laughs) let's keep looking. And uh, we found uh, that there are die cut variety uh, on it that, you know, it doesn't match. And of course, tagging. It didn't have tagging. But this one was on like a coated paper. So it had like a fake tagging to it. They wouldn't show up under UV, but it looked like it was tagged. That was an interesting part of this one. But yeah, there's a lot of counterfeits. I am just shocked that the post office puts up with it. And, you know, from what I've heard, it's that they don't want the little old lady who's mailing in her mortgage payment and the letter gets kicked back because she used a counterfeit stamp and then her house gets foreclosed on. And in my opinion, that's exactly the story you want. You want... Hey, if you buy counterfeit stamps, you will lose your house. <laughs> and then people will sit there and say, yeah, maybe I'm not going to buy my stamps from a guy in Russia. I mean, let's get realistic. Right. There'll be a run on tagging lights. Yeah, exactly. You know, you, so uh, it's, it boggles my mind why they don't do it. I mean, forever that's why we grilled stamps, you know, so that people wouldn't. Do and uh, we just said, eh, screw it. Not, it's, it's not worth our time to look for people who are ripping off the post office for literally hundreds of it's thousands probably of probably not cost effective either. Yeah, even but the problem is even though there's a lot of oh, fraud no. out there, I don't think it's enough that... The no. amount of money you'd have to throw to have agents all over the place looking for them. No, no, no. It's just it goes through the machine. Yeah. There's no tagging. It goes into a bin. Person goes through the bin, and if you know it's covered with three cent stamps from the 1930s, you know, then they throw it in the go ahead and go forward. But if it's got a modern stamp on it, and they're all modern stamps, you know, if you have a forever stamp on it and it didn't show up hand stamp it, send it back, postage due. Yeah, the problem is that we're starting to see counterfeits of the uh, express mail stamps. Oh, yeah. You, well, that's a biggie. That's yep. a biggie. Because those are, what, $29, $29? Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really good ones? Yep. Whoa. Yeah, did you know a couple of days ago they raised the postal rates by 50 cents? Yes. Never saw anything about it. No posting or anything. All of a sudden... Uh, I bring in the mail, yeah. and they go, uh, how much money did you put on this? And it was $24.90. And you go, sorry, you have to put $25.40 on now. Yeah, that was the temporary um, the temporary holiday increase Yeah, that started in October. <laughs> I was like, whoa, 
temporary. And they're, they're going to raise it anyway again January 9th. So. Yeah, temporary. Well, just remember what the government tells you, the inflation rate is 6%. Well, uh -huh. well we actually, I, I have a couple, I put on podcasts every so often, and since you brought it up, uh, it looks like right now the uh, the actual producer price index will hit about 14%. By the end of the year. Okay, so what is that? That's what is a producer price index? Well, Does that still leave out houses, and uh, yeah, food and gas, gold well, <laughs> and gas, and, and everything. Well, okay, the consumer price index they have a basket of conceptual items, and then they go in there and they modify the prices based on certain things. Producer price index, they don't do that. They just go to the tax returns and say how much are they paying. So it's a really, really pure number. Um, so if the producers are paying 14% more, you can look at it two ways. First way, the producers are evil corporations. They're going to pass their costs on to the consumers. Or you can look at it the loving way and say, corporations are not into it for profits. They will eat the increase in prices and keep prices exactly where they are because they are nice and benevolent. Benevolent, yes. Neapolitan. Yeah. And uh, I tend to think that it's a mix of both. But generally speaking, if prices go up 14% to the producer, eventually the consumer will be paying 14% more. Three times or whatever, yeah. Well, the thing is, is that... and. Unfortunately, I hate to break it to it, but, you know, stamp collectors tend to be older. You're so what are you trying to say here, Cash? <laughs> I'm saying old, old people, they do tend to buy different stuff than what the normal person does. They're not usually buying five different phones every year. Yeah, except warning, except, warning, warning. Hold on, hold on. No, warning, warning. There, there, there's a panic attack. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> beep, beep, beep. <laughs> no, the, the, the reason I bring it up is because the government keys Social Security to the Consumer Price Index. So if prices go up 10%, but their number says that it only went up 5%, you're getting 5% more not 10%. You are not keeping up with inflation. So you're trying to say that the government, if they're going to give you a 5% increase and it's actually 10%, they could actually change the goods and services in that bucket so that they can put it at 3% if they want. Is that what you're saying, Cash? They could put it at 3%, but that would be... So you if you, if, that if would you be want to believe that it's only 5% or 10% or 15 and the government only has the money to pay 5% that they can change things. They can change the things in the bucket that they're using to determine. Well, realistically. We could be hoodwinked, just like I'm hoodwinked. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, this is just what you were talking about. You want to believe it, yeah, and so you believe it. There you or go. you're told, this is the deal. You believe it. Well, I, I've been marching for a long time <laughs> drinking drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> again, we are based in not America. So the country that we are in has a really, really super efficient government that would never <laughs> cheat anybody. 
I have a funny feeling that a lot of our listeners are in America. So you are different from us because we're we're in this alternative place. So you guys can address your governmental structure the way that you want to do it. But here in uh, Upper Slobovia, um, <laughs> we, uh, we have a, a very, very, very efe- efficient and effective government that would never, ever, ever do anything. And the Postal, nefarious, service, nefarious. And the postal service is always on time. Yes. And profitable. <laughs> profitable. <laughs> well, I think on that we're going to end this show. <laughs> we need your help. Nothing on the internet is free, including our phone and internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. <laughs> because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun. But now the time has come to go. If this silkom was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, seeking to advance all levels of the stamp collecting hobby through news, information, and collecting advice. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com to listen to the show, view images of the items we are talking about, and read the show notes. You can also continue the conversation on Facebook at Stamp Show Here Today and on Twitter at Stamp Show HT. If you have questions or comments about the show or have any topics you would like us to discuss, you can email us at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep collecting. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.